This is Jake Snyder from Minus the Bear, and you're listening to The New Scene. everybody and welcome to the new scene. I am your host Keith and we're back with another brand new episode and we've got a great one this week. I've been telling you about the band Brutus. I've been telling you how much I enjoy their latest record Unison Life. Well, we've got them. We've got Peter Molders of Brutus on the show for you this week and we cover it all. Growing up in Belgium, discovering the music scene there, Peter's early work in music, he was in a refused tribute band that covered The Shape of Punk to Come perfectly, front to back, uh, starting up Brutus, how they got started, how they started getting out of Belgium and playing the rest of the world. It's a great conversation, and you're going to hear about it shortly. And if you haven't checked out the band, I really recommend that you do so. They're very good. But before we get to that, here's how you can support the new scene. Apple Podcast and Spotify reviews. We need more. Open up your Apple Podcast or Spotify application, hit the five-star button, and in Apple Podcasts, you can write a review. And if you write a nice review, I'll read it on the air. And I'm going to do that right now because we've got a new review from Negative Greg. Negative Greg says, best of the best, five stars. Keith and Tommy are absolutely fantastic. If you want in-depth conversations with the great musicians behind the great music they create, look no further. Thank you, Greg. So yeah, hit the five-star button, write a review. We could always use more reviews. Follow me on Instagram at NewScenePod. That's our main hub. That's where most of the stuff happens. And pick up a shirt at Deathwish Inc. Go to Deathwish Inc., search the new scene. The shirts come up. We've got a long-sleeve option. Large is sold out, but we have the other sizes. And we've got t-shirts as well. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Ritual Earth has a gig coming up at Warehouse on Watts. That's March 18th in Philly. Her Heads on Fire is opening for Fake Names. Fake Names features members of Bad Religion, Refused, and Minor Threat. That show's happening April 14th at TVI in New York City. The Darling Fire will be performing at Will's Pub in Orlando, Florida on June 11th. They're opening for Spotlights, another great band featuring Chris Enriquez, who's been on this show. Hey Thanks are playing the Smart Punk Records Showcase in Austin, and that takes place on March 17th and 18th. That's part of the South by Southwest festivities. If you're down there, make sure you check that out and sign up for the Iodine email list. You'll find out all the latest Iodine news first, and there's more news coming on February 28th. Get on that email list. You're going to want to be the first to hear about it. Also, the Quicksand Slip reissue. There's still limited quantities from Deathwish Inc., Rev, Smart Punk, Revolver, a few other distributors. That last time I checked, you can still get the 30th anniversary reissue of Quicksand's legendary record, Slip. There's an iodine post on the Instagram that details all the places you can get it. Get it before it's gone, because this one is going fast. For more information, check out the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings or head to the website 
at iodinerecordings.com. And don't forget to support this month's sponsor, Bridge Nine Records. Bridge Nine is doing record auctions. That's right, you heard me correctly. Follow B9 Auctions on Instagram. The bidding takes place in the comments section of the post, and the next auction is today, February 27th. Again, the Instagram is B9 Auctions. One-of-a-kind records, one-of-a-kind auctions being auctioned out of the Bridge 9 Record Store. Have you been there yet? It's at 282 Rantoul Street in Beverly, Massachusetts. It's open every Wednesday through Sunday, starting at 11 a.m. Drop in. They've got a great selection of punk releases. They've got a great selection of Bridge 9 releases. They have one-of-a-kind stuff you can only get in the store. And when you go to the store, you may even see Chris Wren himself working the register. And you can ask him, Chris, I want to start a hardcore label, but I've got no money and I hate the New York Yankees. What can I do? And he'll say, come with me. I've got a story to tell you. For more information, head to bridge9.com. That's bridge, the number nine.com. Or their Instagram at bridge9. That's bridge, N-I-N-E. Okay. So make sure you check back in with me in segment three. It's been a while. We've got a lot to catch up on. The new scene was mentioned in a couple podcasts. I'll play those clips and we'll talk about it. There's a lot of stuff going on in Warzone 2 in the world of gaming. We'll talk about that. We'll catch up. I'll tell you everything that's going on. But right now, we are going to speak to Peter Mulders of Brutus. Enjoy. Right, we are here now with Peter Mulders. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, Peter, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, I recently discovered the band. I really love the music. And you have a new record, Unison Life, that just came out last year. There's a lot of exciting things happening in the world of Brutus, Peter. And you're going to tell us about all of those soon, I'm sure. But first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? Fine. I'm okay. I uh, 
we uh, came together with the band today to play the set um, again. So uh, it was a good day. If I can play music, it was a good day. It's always a good day when you can play music. Yes, it is. How did the practice go? We sounding good? Are we ready for, for big things? Um, it was more like chat, a lot of talking and chatting and gossiping. And like, we, we haven't seen each other for a week because we had a small tour the week before and a show. So we uh, had some family time last week and we came back together today. And our rehearsal space was really a mess. All the merch, and all the gear was there. So we had uh, a few hours of uh, setting up, cleaning. And then, uh, yeah, we played the set just for fun. And yeah, it was okay. It was good. It was good to hang together. That's awesome. I find that, um, you know, I'm starting a band now. And I find that when we go a long time between practices, we actually sound better, which uh, you would think is the opposite. What about Brutus? Uh, I mean, do you, are you on a regular schedule? Um, there, there is something to say for if you play a song too many times, the 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 freshness and the, the pureness goes away. So, mm-hmm. um, but for Brutus, we, we have a regular schedule. Like um, we, most of the time, if we're not touring and it's not busy, we, we, we meet up on Monday and Friday. It's like, because uh, we also like uh, work in between, like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, Monday, Friday are Brutus days. So just during the day, we, and it's not always playing. Sometimes it's merch designing or uh, counting the merch or just, uh, whatever we can do, like what's what's on the agenda for uh, for that week. But most of the time, it's it's playing. Do you all get together to like design merch and come up with a concept? Um, most of the time, it's like I'm a graphic designer, so most of the time it's me. But it's like the finishing touches, or or like I have like five designs, and then we have to choose or fine tune two of them. Um, it's together, yes. And maybe more with Stephanie than with Stan. Most most of the time it's me, then me with Stephanie, and then m- me with Stephanie and Stan for the final touch. It's like a three-step rocket or <laughs> something like that <laughs> for merch. Having a graphic designer in the band must make things so much easier because that is a key component of everything. Album covers, merch, all of that stuff. Yes, it's uh, but there's also uh, how do you call it in English a pitfall or, or there are some. Yeah, it's in the beginning it's very handy, but after some time it's like also uh, difficult because um, if I design something, it's no. I, I will tell it the other way. If you design something with an external designer from like outside of the band. It's very easy to uh, to feedback or to criticize or to say we like this or we don't like that or we want to be more like this or more like that. But if if the guy who has designed it is in the band, it's hard to also look to the work as a band <laughs> because I am already already happy because I made it. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, that's we had to like the first album uh, burst. I did uh, the artwork together with Stan. I also did like 90% of the shirts we have up till now. And uh, the second album, we worked with an, with another designer because I was like, if my head is too full with the music and everything that's going on, let's ask somebody else and it's easier then. And then after that album, so Stan and Stephanie told me like the third album, you have to do it again. We want to do it in 
in the band like and it worked very well this time it's like we learned how to do it and the process was very good and and we're happy with the results so yeah that's good when you make the art for the album does the label come back and say maybe change this or maybe try that do they have feedback um they have feedback but they they are always supportive and at this artwork they didn't change or say anything i i pitched it or we we pitched it so we made something the three of us were very uh, enthusiastic about and that fits the name of the album and i, I put it in a small pdf with like 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 i would pitch something to a client or something like that and then motivate every every choice and they were very happy and they they didn't come back like it's not good i remember with the second album we had like with the external designer we had like three or four designs and we were not sure and we we shot them we shot those designs back to them and then they had like the like preferences but now for this album, we had just one design we liked and we worked on and it was good immediately. So tell me about, does the band all live in Leuven? Are you, I know uh, some of you are from there. Do you live around there still? No, we moved a little bit. So we, we started in uh, Leuven um, because Stan and Stephanie, they like Stephanie really grew up in Leuven. Stan uh, grew up really close to Leuven. And I, my parents live like 30 minutes from Leuven. So it's all, we're all from the Leuven scene. It's like we, we met each other uh, like in the same youth, youth clubs where, where bands play or the same like clubs or venues. And, but then we started a band in the, also in the Leuven region. But then like uh, five years ago, we moved, Stephanie moved to Ghent because her boyfriend lives uh, in another, the other side of the country. And I also moved to Ghent because my girlfriend lived in Ghent. Um, so now we are like a little bit mixed. But Ghent and Leuven are like one hour drive. So it's not very far from each other. Belgium is very small. Oh, okay. And what's the vibe there like growing up? Is it a kind of country or city or town? What, what was it like? Uh, Leuven is um, like, I, I grew up in a really small town like farmer town outside of Leuven is like really really small like one church one store and like a few houses and that's it that's where I grew up Stephanie grew up more in the Leuven city and Leuven is like a city it's a student city I don't I don't know how many people live there but it's like a real city with like a few squares and a few churches and like really yeah one maybe in the top 10 of biggest cities in Belgium. So it's a really a real city, but it's, it's a lot of students there. So it's like really, there's a uni big university and they, and that vibe controls the city a little bit. And talk about your relationship with music. When did you discover it? How did you decide you wanted to start playing? Oh, um, oh I had like, I, I'm a little bit an exception in the band because from like my youth and my parents, like, up till I was 14, 15, we had absolutely no musical background. If I look to Stephanie, she grew up in a music store. If I look to Stan, he had an uncle that showed him like really cool albums when he was only like eight years old and stuff like that, like really young. For me, it was a total opposite. And I I started the band with um, with a friend of me from like I did sports, like swimming. That was my thing. 
And uh, I had a friend in swimming and we bought the guitar and we started playing and I was like 16 or 17 and we played uh, no effects and um, uh, maybe some Nirvana and Legwagon covers. That's how I started uh, playing music. Like it was a 1996, uh, 97, like before the year. Yeah. <laughs> I was 17 back then. I kind of did the same thing. I always had a big interest in music, but I didn't start playing it until around 17, 18. Cause always I, you know, I discovered the local hardcore scene and I saw all my friends in bands and I was like, wait, like people can really do this. I want to do this too. Yeah. Same. Every, sorry, Yella was my friend. He still is my friend, but I don't see him as much as I used to. And he brought a, a cassette, at, uh, a CD at, um, to the swimming practice and it was from a local punk rock band who recorded their own CD and we were like damn if if no we know no effects but if they can do it and they live in the next next city why why can't we do it let's buy a guitar and try the same and that's how it all started so you started playing guitar yes no bass sorry I started, he, he bought oh, a guitar yeah. and I bought, I bought a bass so you started playing bass and you're playing locally what what kind of shows what music were you into at the time Punk rock, like really, really punk rock, and maybe if it if we try to get out of the punk rock, it moved to like like what Trice did and Finch and like Taking Back Sunday, maybe like like Trice was for us uh, back in those days like a really big example. Like the artist in the ambulance was just out, and it was like yeah. It was uh, was for us together with No Effects and then first No Effects, then Trice. Uh, that was a big influence. Like also our music from my first band was like a little bit like Trice or like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I love that uh, those bands were making an impact over there as well. Because I, I mean, I remember Thrice blowing up over here and just people being really into it so i guess it was happening over there too yes i still remember we i went to a festival i, I didn't really know them and uh, one of the biggest festivals in belgium is a pukkel pop festival and back then yeah. they, they had like a real skate stage like the shelter it was called and i remember less than jake was playing and then there was after less than jake it was already dark it was trice and i didn't really know them and that show they I, I kept hanging around on the stage and they, that show, they blew me away. Like it was unbelievable. And that was, I think the tour with the artist in the ambulance uh, or maybe the, like earlier or later, I didn't do the math, but it was like, whoa, I had to check them out. And then, yeah, it, then I stepped a little bit outside the pure Punkorama uh, vibe I was in before that. Uh, <laughs> they took me out of Punkorama. Talk about some of your musical experience leading up to Brutus. I think you and maybe some of the other folks from Brutus were in a refused cover band, correct? Yeah, me and Stephanie. So so um, the short story is that um, I did like my first real band, like the Trice-influenced uh, band I was talking about. It was called Six Toys. And then we quit. And then uh, I got a girlfriend and a house and stuff like that. I was 26, 27, maybe 28. And uh, I didn't have the time for a real band. So uh, I, I wanted to do just like fun bands. And my first uh, um, uh, cover band, but we call it tribute bands because that's cooler. Um, it was a, yeah. a, a bad religion band and it was called a better legion. 
And it was just with local friends and we studied like 30 bad religion songs and we just did it for a few after shows, after punk rock shows locally. And it was a lot of fun. And we had a very good singer. It was just like Greg and it was like really cool. And that band stopped. And then I was like, I want to do another tribute band. Um, let's do Refused. But because back then Refused wasn't back together. They, it was before, the, before they reunited. And um, I found some friends who wanted to do the guitars. I would do the bass. I had a very good singer. I even had the scratch guy to do the samples, but I couldn't find a drummer. And it was very hard to do. I checked all the drummers in the local scene and two guys never showed up at rehearsal. And then a friend of a mutual friend said to me, you have to try this girl, uh, Stephanie, she's called from, uh, from the band Starfucker that she was in. And I was like, okay, let's call her. And she came to the rehearsal space and um, she played the first four songs straight as tight as hell. And I was like, what the, f-? we were four guys, five guys standing there. And we, it was very hard to follow her because we, she was so good and she knew all the first songs from the album. And uh, yeah, you know, Refused is not so easy to drum. <laughs> the, the, right. It's not like a, a punk rock beat or something. And that moment, uh, she, I was, I'm a bass player, so the drummer is very important for me in the band. And I was like, whoa, this girl, she can drum so well. And then we did the Refused Tribute Band for, uh, we rehearsed for one year before we nailed the album. Like, we, we played The Shape of Punk to Come from start to end, like, without, like, everything, like, the samples, the pauses, everything was exactly like the album. It was a tribute to the album. And then we did some shows in Belgium and in Germany too, I think. And then Refused announced they would reunite again. And then we stopped the project. And then a little bit later, we started Brutus. So you're 26 years old and you already have a house. You have a girlfriend, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe I was are, you doing, uh, are you doing graphic design at this time too? Uh, I did, was doing graphic design, but you know, must know in Belgium or in where we live, it's the culture to, especially like, um, it's, a, it's, it's maybe a difference in the cities and outside of the cities, but um, you grew up, you get 18, you become 18, then you do studies, you come 21, then you go work. And the next thing you do is buy a house. That's how the culture is. I don't know why it is. And I don't know how it works. And I know like in Holland or in England, it's different. But uh, you get a loan and you buy a house. And then before you are 30, you have two kids. That's how That's how it, the regular, like with all my, fr- if I look to my school back when I, like the kids, were, when I was in school, they all they all did that. And if you don't buy a house, you build a house. <laughs> that's how you do it. And um, Build a house. Yeah, a lot of my friends build houses. Yeah, <laughs> they built houses. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a thing. It's a it's the region. It's the culture. It's the the yeah, the the way people do it over here. Not like in the cities. Not of course not because there's already full of houses. But wh- where I grew up, like outside of the city, it's it's real. And like eighty percent of the of the kids I grew up with, like in my youth, did this pattern, like. Yeah, it's like it's already there for you what you have to do. <laughs> and then yeah, I didn't do it. I stepped out of it in some way, but uh that's if you yeah, that's how it goes. Uh if you had to build a house, would you be able to? Um I renovated the house and I learned a lot by doing that, yeah. But 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a lot of yeah. It's that's you, good. I can't even hang a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard, but somebody has to tell you how to do it. That's the key. Exactly. And there's one small trick. One small trick. If you renovate a house, always start in the room where nobody comes, like in your bedroom. If you have to paint your first wall, do it in the bedroom. If you have to put your first electricity in the wall, do it in your bedroom. If you have to hang your first picture, do it in the bedroom. And once you get into the living room, you know how to do it. <laughs> ah, That's what my grandfather told me. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the way you described it, how things work over there, I think that's how it worked over here in America too. But now... There's like wealth inequality and you can't afford houses anymore unless you're living in the middle of the country and even that's getting more expensive. So uh, if you're rich, I guess that's the way it works still. Like 18 college, 21, your parents buy you a house, all that stuff. But uh, I still can't afford a house and I'm 41 now. Well, maybe I could, but certainly not in New York City. No. Yeah, but it's the same. Like uh, Belgium is very small, but the uh like building houses or anything it's like also out of the cities like inside the cities like in Ghent where I live now young people can't afford a house it's very hard it's very expensive the price is so way up but talking about handy guys you also talk to Lisa from Slow Crush right yes yeah Yella from Slow Crush he can do anything he is a woodworker and he built his own house in wood so Yella if you hear this I never been there. I should go there, but he is a—he is like a craftsman guy. He is a hero. He can do anything. Oh, that is awesome! Yeah, I was going to ask if you—if uh, you knew the folks in Slow Crush. Yes, um, like uh, Yellen and Isa, they go like they're from the same. They started in the same scene, like in Leuven scene that that we started. Like Yellow was in hardcore bands. Like me, we didn't. I was more punk rock, and he was more like. Hard, like hardcore so we didn't really did the same shows but he was in the scene all the all the time like since the beginning and he knows Stan better than he knows me um but uh yeah it's but Belgium is very small so I think we know almost every Belgian band knows another Belgian band in hardcore and punk rock because we're so small yeah and uh well, there must be some good stuff going on over there because, you know, Isa and Slow Crush, you and Brutus, that's two great bands right out of the bat. Yeah, we, we get that question sometimes, like, uh, how, how does it come? But I think for me, it also motivates if you're like, you see, you see people do cool stuff very close to you. So, and it's not like, like when you live in London, I think it's like too much, <laughs> but... In Belgium, it's like, okay, the small cities, they're like one hour away from each other. Each city has its own scene and its own bands. And it's all they all have rehearsal spaces. They all have venues to play. And you can easily go mix and match in other cities and play in other cities. And you get to know people. And uh, like 20 years ago, the, the Belgian hardcore scene was really cool. But, uh, there are a lot of cool bands even before my time i just missed them but and there's always been a history of like hardcore and punk rock in in belgium so yeah it's like a little bit like and a little bit cultural like historic grown and the the, the geography of the, all the small cities with all their own scene helps a lot 
I think that's my opinion, but it's never, it's not tested, scientifically tested. It's just my, my gut feeling that it helps a lot. So Refuse Party program comes to an end and then we're moving into Brutus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us about that. How does it come together? What are your influences? Tell us about the beginning. Yeah. So I, I told you how I, I met Stephanie and the Refuse Tribute Band, but Stephanie and Stan, they go way back, like... I, uh, like before the Refuse band, Stephanie had another band and that was with Stan. Stan played bass in that band. And they be, they were really good friends since Stephanie was 14. Uh, so that's even, I think they're 10 years longer friends than I am with Stephanie and Stan. Um, and Stephanie had always this idea like, yeah, my next band should be with Stan. And then she met me and then uh, she had a bass player and, and with uh, with Peter so that's after the whole refuse thing, we started rehearsal, rehearsing. And at the beginning, we had absolutely no idea what to do. The, the story is that we needed a singer. And that's what, we, that's what we were planning to do. We were planning to find a singer. But yeah, as I told you for the refuse project, you know almost all the people in your scene. It's like when you're in, a, in bands for like this many times, you know, like, you already know all the singers. You already know them. It's, it's like I don't know why, but it's like it's like yeah. And we we didn't have an immediate immediately. We didn't have an, like an option like this guy or this girl should sing with us. And then at some point, Stan just bought a mic and put it with Stephanie on the drum kit, and he was like, "This is just for you to do backing vocals when we when we have a real singer." And she was like, what? And then she started singing and the, the rest is history. And and we never discussed a genre or we never said we want to sound like Machine Head or we want to sound like No Effects or we want to sound like Deftones. We never, never mentioned bands um, for like we want to sound like or we want to be like or we want to, we just, everybody did what he wanted to do. And then we started making songs. That's the beginning. That's interesting that there was no discussion like, what do we want it to sound like or any bands? Because that's, well, that's, that's how it happens for me sometimes. Like you find the band that everyone likes and it's like, all right, let's start there. So what, do people just start playing? Like I have this riff, let's try this. Yeah, we just, when I'm totally honest, there was one band that was mentioned and it was just between me and Stan and we wanted to sound like Band of Horses. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> that's a true story. Like when Stan and I were talking, it was like, we want to make beautiful Americana melodies and like, yeah, sometimes a little bit harder than a little bit mellower, like beautiful stuff like Band of Horses was doing. And uh, Stephanie was like, no, no, no. <laughs> My favorite band is Slayer. <laughs> we're not going to do Band of Horses. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, and then most of the time, especially in the beginning, Stan, Stan brought riffs. Stan is a riff meister, melody maker, melody king or something like that he he has this riffs and melodies in his fingers and he brings them to rehearsal and then we we start working with that and uh we yeah we start making sh- songs out of that and how was it when stephanie was singing in the beginning what did everyone realize pretty quickly like oh this is going to work she's our singer uh, mm, yes yeah for us it was like <laughs> For us, it was immediately clear, like when we, fit, I remember I was doing the first recordings, like with a friend, like he just came with like his computer and four mics and he recorded three songs. And then it was like, yeah, let's do it like this. We, we don't need a singer anymore. We just need Stephanie to sing. 
And it was for us, it was very clear. And also because it was easy because it was just the three of us. We, we were already rehearsing for like a year or something and we didn't need it. Somebody else in and we didn't need to bring some other opinion in. And we just had the three of us and we could move on. It was very, very good for us. Very relieving is not a word, but uh, it was a, it was a good feeling. And I'm, I'm always impressed by drummers who can sing and play drums at the same time. Like that, I mean, geez, that, that seems like it would be really tough. Me too. I'm impressed. Too. <laughs> I'm impressed too. And, um, it's like, I, when I, I, I just play the bass and I, when I talk to somebody while playing the bass, I play mistake. So I, I, yeah, she is, she's a talent. I can, I can, I have no other words for it. She, she put a lot of practice in it, a lot of focus. And she she breeds music. She is music, and she's a drummer. And drummers can do more than one thing at once, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very. It's still I'm still very impressed what she's uh, after all those years playing together, being next to her on stage. Uh, we we played a show last week in uh, like our biggest headline show so far in the A in the A B. It's the Enchant Belgique. It's the the coolest and the biggest venue in Belgium. And I was like, after the show, I was like, what the fuck did she do again? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was like, she impresses me every time again. It's like, yeah, it's, it's cool. That's it's amazing. Cool. Yeah. So the band is together. We're playing, we're figuring out what we sound like. Talk about some of the early days. Where did you play? What kind of gigs were you playing? How was it going? We were rehearsing a lot. I mean, keep, rehearsing i recorded the demo and then stephanie decided uh, we needed a name <laughs> because we didn't have a name yet and um uh, we had a few options and she she picked brutus as name it was her choice and then um she made an or i made a facebook page because we're nine years ago eight years ago facebook was still a thing it was like yeah that moment is was it's not like now like but it, it was cool and it was upcoming and stuff like that. And she put and uh, she put the song on YouTube, I think, Bear Class, and she posted it on Facebook. And we had 300 likes on one day. <laughs> and it was like a best that the thing that could happen. And from that moment, people were like, oh, do you want to come play a show? And we only had like four songs, four or five maybe. And the first song we did, the first uh, show we did was a tryout show with uh, guys from Psychonaut. It's a very cool Belgian band too. You have to check them out. And um, uh, that was the first show. It was a tryout. And then the shows kept on coming. The, we, a few weeks later, we played another show and then another show. And it was like really small shows, like, yeah, just like like every band plays, and like we all played for ten years before we did Brutus. It was like in all youth centers, and you, uh, they call it a youth center here. It's like every every city has it, and they all have a stage, and you can go play shows there now and then. And uh, we did that for oh, two years, only Belgium, and I think we played a hundred shows in two years in the first two years that we existed only in Belgium. And then we decided maybe we should record some stuff. Uh, we did some, uh, like the seven inch, we did some songs in between. And after those two years, we decided let's make a full album now. But our first two years were like, like a trip because all the shows kept on coming. 
it was like it was really cool um and it was just playing in belgium like we always did with our other bands it was very cool that was the first days and it's got to be amazing one because you're getting a pretty instant reaction to posting this first song and getting show offers and all this stuff right out of the gate so that's awesome and two you're writing original music now right you're not it's not like a cover band or anything it's your own thing so yeah. that has to be that has to add some uh some good feeling to it yeah. we never did did uh, tribute we didn't, never did covers when stan was with us so the whole refuse thing it was just me and stephanie and the guitar guys were different guys and when once we did uh we were the three of us we never uh did the tribute things or, or cover songs but yeah it was a uh, and you i when i'm honest i i think i was 30 34 35 years old when brutus like started playing and it was for me like late <laughs> it was yeah. it was the first band that really had like i'm not gonna call it success but we could play every week so and and after two years we could play on Pukkel pop festival and we played the door we played some cool festivals uh, as local opener and it was like really the best shows I ever had in my life. And I was already like 35 years old. So for me, it all came really, yeah, really not late, but yeah. Sometimes with other bands, it's when they start at 18 and they do all this between 20 and 24 years old or something. Yeah. Like that. Uh, but for me, it was late. So it was very, very cool and very special. That's great. Yeah. What What was your relationship what was your thought about the music at that time? I mean, did you want to do something like Brutus that would reach a bigger audience and that could get you out there more? Or were you just happy, I don't know, doing whatever band came up and whatever it, what, whatever it is, it is, and that's it? We never thought about uh, audiences or like, we, yeah, we, we, it was the second thing that you say, like, we just do what we want to do and we see what happens. And even even up to now, to the third album, we, we never... Uh, we just the three of us trying to make music we like, we all like, and we all feel something with, and that moves us when we play it and make try to shape a good song out of it. And don't think too much about uh, what to do with it or what it can be or what will happen when you put it out, because that's a that's a pitfall or that that's dangerous. I don't want to think like that, and and it it. It's not happening, so when we, we never has to stop each other or something like that. But uh, w when people ask, how do you write and do you think about like when you write like this, it becomes like that, and we're like, no. And I can, you don't have to believe me, but if you if you would know Stephanie, she doesn't work like that. <laughs> she 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 is just not like that at all. She can't think like that. Like so, it was just we do what we we feel, and then we see what happens. It's it's totally that. That makes perfect sense. And I think I think that's the way it needs to be. You know, when it's pure, when it's just what you do and it comes from the heart, I think that's how big things happen. And I think that's the way it should be because, I don't know, whenever I try to specifically plan something uh, and get a result, uh, it usually doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, it's true. And yeah, those things come. And also, I don't know if I can um, find the right words, but for me... Um, it's when you're like older, I don't want to sound like old, but I probably do. But when you're like older and you have to, you, yeah, and you have to put this much time and energy and you have to put this 
your relationship a little bit aside and you have to put your life aside. You, I only can do all this, what I do now with Brutus, when it comes from that feeling, from that we just do what we want and we see what happens and we just do what we want and nothing else. Because if I have to do something to like to make it work or or to do music because it has to be like this and then you have like success and whatever i'm sure it will feel like work and i don't want to make that feel <laughs> i don't want that feeling so i i know for myself that i can only do this if it's like true and like fun and honest i i'm a hundred percent with you on that like the the creative stuff i'm involved with I want it, it can be hard and it can be difficult, and, but I want it to be fun still. So as long as it's fun and as long as I still enjoy doing it and as long as I'm doing it because I'm passionate about it, that's what I want. That That's enough. Yeah. And then it's honest and pure. And then, and then still for me, then even if that's all okay, it's still a lottery because there are so many bands who are doing that and who are doing good stuff that don't get the chances or don't get the stages or don't get the luck to f- be found by a label or to get exposed to audience it's still it's a lot for me it's sometimes it's a, still a lottery even if all the other things are correct and you make cool music and you do it from the heart and you do it for the right things it's still not um a, 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 like it's still not 100% sure that you will uh, get what you like, get success or whatever. I, I think success is a weird word, but it still doesn't mean you can do this for a living. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, success can mean any number of things. I've seen yes. plenty of bands where the talent is there. They they could rock it to the moon if they wanted to, but you know it just doesn't happen for some reason or the guys can't get along. And they have all the opportunity in the world, and then it's just over. You just never know what's going to happen. No, it's so many uh, boxes that has to be like checked, and so many. Lu- For me, it's also luck. I always keep saying that it's like you have to be lucky a little bit, and it's like a lottery. Yeah, there's luck, there's timing, there's talent, there's the effort you put into it. Like you said, many boxes that have to all be checked. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're playing, and we have the first record outburst, right? Yeah. We're playing a lot in Belgium, yeah. So when do you start to get out of Belgium and where are you playing? Um, Burst came out at a, at a very... Maybe they won't like to hear it, but <laughs> on a small <laughs> label from uh, London, like Hassel Records. Hassel Records is like a side label from full-time hobby. That's a, a, the, the, the mother label or the bigger label. And uh, Hassel Records were like... They were they're based in London and they were the f- the first or the only ones I don't remember to be honest that were like with us from the demos. Um, like back then we had a, a, a local manager called Thomas, and he sent it out like our demos to I don't know to where because he did it. Um, and one of them was Hassel Records and this guy Mies he he, uh, he from Hassel Records he was with us from the beginning and he kept on emailing and kept on checking till the album was recorded and the first album we recorded it ourselves um, we we used our own money to it I, I yeah I did I, I paid like from my savings I, because I was older than Stan and Stephanie I paid the, the recordings from my savings we went to Vancouver to record it uh, and um, and Hassel Records was the first one to 
yeah to to believe in us and to support us and they put out uh, the first album like uh, burst and i think it was also with them that we could play uh, in london for the first time like of like maybe there was a show before but uh, in any way like being signed on like a label from london made it uh, a little bit easier for us to go abroad because they also distribute the album like in germany and in holland and france and then it's easier it's more a European story immediately instead of like um, releasing the album on our own or on a Belgian label. It's still, it would stay a little bit more inside Belgium. And because of the, 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 the UK label it became more a European thing. And that was like our manager back then, uh, Thomas, he, uh, it was also his idea. He was like very clear. He said, you can, you can put out your album in Belgium on this label or that label. Or you can do it in London on Hassel Records and then immediately you have one foot outside of Belgium. And I think for your music, that's the best thing to do. So that's what we did. And it was very, very good for us because because of Hassel Records, the next two months later, Sergeant House has put out the album too uh, in the rest of the world. And then, yeah, then it's that was really cool. And then a lot of things happened because of that. So what's it like playing in London for the first time? I mean, you're older now, what, 35, 36 years old, outside of Belgium, playing incredible shows with this band? Were you, was your mind blown? Uh, in the beginning, it was not really incredible shows. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're a Belgian band and you go to London, there's so much music in London and there's so many bands in London. And the only reason you're there is because your label invited you there and they put you in this venue and they asked all the people they know to come and see you. And that was the first shows in London. I think we did a support and now I'm, I didn't do my homework, but if I think about it, the first show was in London was a support of a Belgian band called Raket Cannon, Rocket Cannon. Very cool band, they quit now. And they're also from Ghent. From Ghent. And um, they had the same manager and they went to play in London and we did their support. And But the people from Hassel Records, they were already at that show to check us out. Um, so, but it was not like really cool. Go- it was a big city, London, um, but the show was in a basement and it was very small and there were not a lot of people, only like PR and label people and stuff like that. But you, yeah, that's also the shows you have to do. Like we also did those shows in Berlin and we also did them in a, we did, yeah, that's the shows you have to do too, outside of Belgium, especially uh, like nobody's there, only the people who are invited uh, and maybe 10, 15 people. That's how it goes. Is it still fun to play though? Because like you're out in another country performing to a couple other people you don't know. Yes, it's absolutely fun because it's even more fun because first, the first thing is like it's when we play with the three of us on stage, it's like always fun. But when we have to, I feel it sometimes when we have to prove something or we want to prove something, it's like an extra step. It's like, even if it's only five people, but maybe it was not five, but 25 or 30 people, you, you, you play even more with the heart than like, like it's 500 people. And that's not completely true because there's no really a difference, but it's different than you. If you have like less people, you, you want to do your best even more. And that's exactly. How, it's not like more with the less with the heart is just you do your best more to, to make those people, to give them a special experience. Exactly. The band I always think of in that situation is at the drive-in. Oh, yeah. I know I've heard countless stories of like 
there's a few people at this venue and then this weird looking band came in and they played the best show I've ever seen in my life that I still think about 20 years later. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) So cool. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. True. So once uh, the album gets picked up by Sargent House, I'm sure you're getting a lot more international attention. Yes. Yes. With the, with the first album, like, um, it was maybe difficult because it was already out. So it came out in February in Europe and then it came out in April in the rest of the world. And Kathy from Sergeant House always told me like, yeah, it's like we wanted to put it out, but it's like not in, like it's not the new album anymore. So it's still a little bit different. I don't know why it's like PR wise or management wise. Um, but that that's just for the release overall it's it's amazing that your album is out in america and that you're a sergeant house band you're on a label with so many of your heroes like sergeant house was really the favorite label of stephanie she has all the russian circles albums she has all the deaf heaven albums she like chelsea wolf and stuff it's like her yeah it was her favorite label and uh, when you come in a list between those bands, it's like, yeah, it's a dream coming. Yeah, it's like a dream coming true. Big time. That's amazing company to be with. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And also after, like, what happens then is that Russian Circles comes to tour Europe so we can support them. Chelsea Wolf comes to uh, uh, to Europe and we can support them. And those tours, that was 2018, I think, um, those tours were like really the crowd that comes in like a city like uh, Vienna, uh, Vienna, uh, the, the capital of um, oh the, Austria. Um, yeah, Austria. Um, the, the people that come to a show of Russian circles in Austria and they also all come early to see a band like Brutus because they know uh, they're on the same label. That's really cool. That's just really cool. Um, and that was two really cool tours in 2018 we will uh we will never forget and it's it's with sergeant house bands and we also did a tour with trice so <laughs> so the thing, oh you did yeah we support the trice also in europe and it's like really funny because i told you earlier about how much i was a fan of like the artist in the ambulance and like that that album and not only uh that album but the way tries shaped who, who they are they also like they, they could have made like the artists in the ambulance five times but they decided to do whatever they want like and do weird stuff and do other stuff and do whatever and some people can like it and other people don't like it but the fact that we could tour with them and this and the question came from uh the band itself it was like whoa that's like full circle here and um it's not like that tries is Stephanie's or Stan's favorite band. It was my favorite band. So it was really weird. But that's got to be incredible though. Like you said, full circle, you're watching thrice blown away and now you're opening up for them. Yep. And for Stephanie, it was with Russian circles and, uh, and Chelsea Wolf more like that. So that 2018 was like really, a really, it was that we had a lot of shows and we toured really hard that year, but it was really special, really fun. Amazing. So the record, that got you on my radar was Unison Life. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things happened when I heard it. The song Victoria was the first one I heard. And I was I was just instantly blown away. And I listened to it a whole bunch of times in a row. And the album became one of my favorites of 2022. 
So I love when that happens. But um, talk about this record, you know, moving into it, recording it, some of your creative process. Tell us about it. We um, we started writing it, like really writing it the moment the pandemic hit. Uh, we had maybe one or two demos before, and but 2020 would be a, should should have been a year with a lot of touring, uh, going to the US for a month. So all the whole year was planned, and we were like, like between the three of us, we were like, oh, what the fuck? When are we going to write our third album? <laughs> because um, when are we going to find the time to do it? And then the pandemic hit and we all know what happened. And in the beginning, everybody had to stay in home and the bubbles and you could, we, we could not rehearse and stuff like that. And we started doing demos on, on our own, like on the computer. Uh, Stan made like 30 demos. Stephanie did stuff. I did stuff. But after, if, if we look at that work now, it doesn't really work for Brutus to write on our own on our computer. It's like when we came back together, when it was allowed to rehearse again, um, we, we used some of it, but I think one or two riffs of that work are on the album. Now it was like, we really need to be in a room together with the three of us. And then we wrote like 30, 30 demos, I think like real demos together, like as a band. Uh, with the three in one room, uh, like with dynamics between the three people. And we did it constantly um, for, and I think 2020, 21. And by the end of 21, we were like, yeah, we have to find a date now to record. But the difficult thing is it's, it's hard to rebuild those time frame at that time frame, but it, there were there was a time that it was very hard to predict when live shows could happen again. Yeah, they 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 were just gone. Like nobody yeah. was playing, or very few people were playing. Like live music was just done for a while. Yeah, we we did some seated shows. We did a show on the roof of a of a of an, of an old building. Uh, we did a show that everybody has to sit, <laughs> so nobody could stand up because it was not allowed to stand up. Only when you wear your mask to go to the toilet. And we did some weird stuff, but it it was okay. It was okay. We, we we don't regret it. But it was and the thing is, if you want to release an album without touring, that would be that was really weird. And if the pandemic would have um kept on going for many years, we would have done it, of course, and Unison Life would be out also and we wouldn't play live because we, we didn't want to hold back our songs that long. But at the point when there was like back like light on the horizon and live shows could go back, we planned that we would record in January of 22, I think. Uh, yeah, January of 22. And then we skipped, we, 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 we scratched. Uh, we have a big, like a really big poster on our door of our rehearsal room with the 30 songs on. And then we started scratching like away, way, way. And we kept 12 songs that we finished. And uh, we took to the studio and we put 10 on the album and two are still on our hard drives to, <laughs> to do something else, to maybe come out later or maybe not. We don't know yet. Um, and that's how in those, in the, we wrote the album really in the pandemic times and um, I recorded it uh, in one month in Belgium. Nice. So how has the response been to the record from your perspective so far? I mean, are you seeing a big response over there? 
Yes, we are very, very um, honored about all the the response. It, it was only yesterday or the day before that we got a, a photo of a, a magazine in Germany that the readers voted us like second album of, of the year, of, of last year. So, nice. um, yeah, it's very... Yeah, we're very happy with all the response and also um, the live shows th that we announced and the touring that we announced go really well. And we played uh, four sold out shows last like two weeks ago. The first real show we played the UK in November, and that was already a lot of sold out shows. And now we're in Europe too. So, and that can only happen when people like your album or when your album reached more people than the previous album did. And we have the feeling that that is happening. So uh, that's really that's really cool. I love that. How old are you now? I'm 42 now. Okay. So I bet you didn't imagine <laughs> at 42 years old <laughs> that, that you'd be in a band doing all these things. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. No, I wouldn't. Uh, no. But uh, yeah, it's hap it happened and... Um, I have things like a job. I had a job. I still have a job, to be honest. So um, I'm I'm on a how is it called? Uh, like holiday without uh, pay? <laughs> is that, is yes. That yes. Yeah. So I'm off, but uh, but it's not unlimited. So my time is ticking. So then I have to make a decision. But if you're 42 or 40 in August, 43, it's not so easy to take life-changing decisions anymore than when you're 22. It's uh, it's different. Big time, big time. I just turned 41 last month, and I'm doing a lot of things now in music and in life that I never imagined. And I imagine there'll be some tough choices to make at some point, but I'm also happy that everything is happening now because, you know, I was in bands when I was younger and they never really took off or things never really happened. There was a lot of years wasted just getting fucked up and not doing much of anything. Um, but now there's a, a lot of great stuff going on and I think it's really good. And I, I'm, I'm happy that uh, it's happening for you and the band now as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes life runs you. It's, it's a cliche, but you can't control it. And and you can't overthink it and you can't plan you can plan i'm 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 a guy i have an opinion that you can you have to have a, a plan but you also have to be ready to change that plan and to fuck it up that plan and to if something else happens then you have to do you have to take a jump to somewhere else but it's not easy i i can i can promise it's not always easy definitely but, not yeah, you know and the thing is if you get older it gets less easy but um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep agreeing with that. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna prove that it's also possible when you're older. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think as I've gotten older, there's things that have gotten a lot easier. Like I make way more money now, so finances and paying bills and rent is a lot easier. But there's other stuff that's really hard. Like I don't know, just even going outside and socializing can be really difficult sometimes. And that was much easier when I was 20 years old. That's uh, that can be. That yeah. can be, yeah. That can be. For me, it's like okay, but the band makes me socialize also a lot, and like my my yes. social feeling is sometimes like uh, disorientated because um, if you go on tour, if you have to play a lot, if you have to do a lot of stuff for the band, and then I want to be home for like a few days and see nobody, 
and that's that's not really who I am, but I just need it after I did the, the touring with the band or I did a very like exhausting stuff with the band. So it's like counterweight or something like that. But it's not really me. And it's hard to to see who I really am because just yeah, life just takes over and it, it you just have to deal with it. Or the band takes It's over. all about balance. You have some time out there on the road doing your thing and then you have some time at home doing your thing. Yes. I find that when I'm socializing with people, it needs to be in some type of project, you know, like we're starting a band or we're on a podcast or we're, we're accomplishing something together. Are you like that? Um, I can chit chat, but not for too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for too long. I can do it, but not for like, like all evening. It's very hard. I can, then I want to go home and I, I get tired and I, I don't, I, it's very it's a lot easier for me it's when it's about a project or like a goal or yeah it's, it's i recognize what you're saying it's a lot easier then if it's just chit chat or fun or or like nothing really like like yeah i don't want to sound mellow but like a deeper stuff then it's like hard for me to yeah i understand i uh in the in the past or do you find it difficult to balance you know life and work and band and relationship and all of that like in the past I've kind of sacrificed things hoping that some creative pursuit would pay off or just not even that, but just kind of like moving towards something that I don't know what it is exactly. And I've been in relationships where the person is like, oh, you have to give up this band thing. Like it's never going to happen or, you know, oh, or forget about the podcast. It's taken up too much time or, you know, family is like, oh, why don't you just get married? But I blew past all of that and just kept moving in a direction without even really understanding it. And here I am. So do you, do you find it hard to balance all of these things sometimes? Uh, it is hard. It, it is very hard to balance it. And um, I, now I'm together with my girlfriend for like nine years, I think, almost 10. And um, I'm very lucky, but I'm never going to say it's easy. Um, yeah. it's not easy for her that I'm on the road. That's like the pandemic was okay, but like 2018 and 2019, this was so much away. It's, it's, you, you're not gonna find somebody who is in a couple who likes it that the other guy, the other girl or the other one of the two is like away for six months. It's not cool. You're, that's not, that's. It's not just not school. You can say what you want about it. So you have to deal with it. You have to talk with it, and you have to put energy in it, and you have to. Um, I had a lot of understanding for what she's feeling. That was like that's important. If if, uh, if she's sad because I'm away, then I just have to accept that and agree it. And we we talk a lot about it, and we discuss a lot. Um, uh, and you have to put like. The energy in it to make it work so that's that's uh, that's how i do it but i remember like uh when i was with the refuse project like 10 15 years ago um i had it was a point when i had like re renovating my house uh going to school to get a master degree working and have two bands <laughs> at the same time wow and i can say now that at that point i totally had no i totally um lost all connection with my with my girlfriend back then and then you you just move on and you move on and you move on and all of a sudden there's nothing left in your relationship just because you don't have you didn't put the time in it and you didn't put the energy in it and you didn't talk about it and you 
yeah, that also happened. But I learned that lesson a long time ago. And I, I, uh, when, I, when we do Brutus, we do Brutus and we put everything we have in it. But uh, I also put all the rest that I have into my relationship because, uh, yeah, I love that girl and she's too important to let it go because I want to move on. But I believe the both things are possible, but you just have to work for it. So you can do like, and it's not just musicians. Like I'm sure somebody who wants to run a bakery or somebody who wants to run a pub or somebody who wants to run a, a podcast or whatever that takes a lot of energy and time from a person and you want to be with some other person and you want to be in a relationship together, you have to make it work and, and you have to put in energy too, or it doesn't work. That's my opinion about it. That's good insight. And that makes sense. Yeah, because there'll be situations where my sister or someone wants to set me up with someone and they're like, oh, you should call this person. And I'm like, I don't think now is the right time. You know, I basically work from nine in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, every single night on various different things. So right now I'm building and I don't want to, I don't feel like I have a lot of time to give. So I, I don't think it would be the right time. That's, that's fine. That's, uh, yeah. That, that if you don't have the time or the energy to give to somebody else, then it's better not to. And, and if there's a point when you feel like it is, or you meet somebody who, because sometimes you can choose it yourself because I fell in love with this girl and it was not uh, planned. <laughs> it was not, uh, <laughs> it was totally not uh, uh, like, yeah, it, it came on a weird moment and it, it was, it's a totally different story, but it was like, whoa, it just took over my life and I had no option. I had no choice. How did it happen? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, she was a, or yeah, she was a colleague at my work and, um, and we, I, we, both of us had a long relationship and, uh, Annalise also had a son, Jules, who is now also like my, uh, stepson. And uh, we both didn't see it coming. And then we had one long conversation on the beach and the rest is history. And it was like, we really didn't want this to happen. We never looked for it. We didn't search for it. It just took over. And uh, it's very, uh, it was very special and very heavy. But uh, yeah, we both, uh, 10 years later, we're still together. So it was worth it, <laughs> if I can say so. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, back in the days it was very heavy, and Stan and Steph it came together with the start of Brutus. Uh, so uh, Stan and Stephanie can, uh, yeah, can uh, tell. Yeah, they they were with me and they saw how heavy it was uh, for the first years because you don't give up everything you have. I, I told you I had a house and stuff like that. She has a kid and stuff like that. Uh, it's yeah. not easy, but sometimes it just takes over. So even if you're like you, you're very busy. Like, and tomorrow you run into a girl in the supermarket, you talk six six lines with each other and they're like, fuck, what's this? what the fuck just happened? Where is she? How can I call her? And all your work is like one step down and she's one and she's on top. It can happen. I promise you it can happen. It's like, it's yeah, I, I think it will at one point. And I, I think I will be in a position where I'm not so inundated with everything and there'll be more balance, but I'm not worrying about it right now because I know where I'm at and what I need to do. Yes. Have you played in the U.S.? Has Brutus played in the U.S. yet? Yes, we've been there, um, if I am correct, October or September of 2019. Um, we came and we played a few festivals and a few 
uh, club shows. We played Chicago, we played New York and Philadelphia, we played Boston, we played LA, we played uh, Austin Levitation Festival, uh, we played Mexico City. I think it were 10 or 12 shows and it was all flying. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible, but it was, yeah, it was at that point, it was like, sometimes I call it a promo tour. Because uh, you can do a real tour like with 40 dates, but the states are so big. So if you want, to, if you're a European band and you want to tour the states and you want to do the whole country, it's like it's like driving, and you can't afford the nightliner. So it's like driving all the cities, and you have to do a really big tour, and it costs a lot of money. And at that point, or at this point, I don't know, at some cities, in between. Uh, uh, Chicago and 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 um, or in between um, uh, Seattle and LA, just to say something. Maybe in some cities nobody will come see Brutus, but in New York, in LA, uh, in the big cities, people know already that a lot of more people there they know Brutus, and you can play a sold out shows there. And that's what we did uh, in the big cities, and then we did a few festivals, and uh, it was a really cool, uh, a really cool tour. It was really, really cool. Uh, yeah, amazing to play in the US and to yeah. sell out some venues and to play cool festivals. We played the Deftones Festival back then. That was San Diego, like uh, Dia de las Deftones. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have their own festival and they invited us uh, to the festival. It was really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, it is, uh, it's at the, I don't know, it's at the baseball stadium from San Diego. They have like uh, the stages built against the stadium so the backstage is in the stadium of the baseball like a really big baseball stadium that was really cool that was really cool that must have been great that's like a pure american experience backstage is a baseball stadium (laughs) yes yes we had the like the how do like the vip loge yeah loges yeah you know and oh the lounge yeah yeah the lounge and there was like we we had like the seats and then we looked over the pitch i was like I never saw a baseball game, but <laughs> I was in a baseball stadium in the lounge uh, in the VIP seats, and that was the backstage. And the Deftones played, Kojira played. Um, oh damn! And then this famous rapper girl played. I forgot her name. She was really famous uh, she, because they mixed like really uh, churches played, Code Orange played. They really made a special mix of uh, like. Uh, rock music and other music too that's a good mix of artists I, there must have been a ton of people there yeah it was cool yeah yeah it was a cool festival it's their own festival the other dias de los Deptos. it's on uh, october have you uh had you been to the u.s before those shows yes i um i did a road trip once on my own like very very um uh, middle-aged male type of thing like flying to san francisco <laughs> renting a car a Mustang driving up to Seattle, go to Vancouver Island, and then fly back to Europe. What did you think of the U.S.? Oh, uh, I just did Highway 1, I think it is, from San Francisco up to Seattle. It was yep. very beautiful. It was very beautiful. Um, I did Portland, uh, Seattle. Um, I liked it. I liked I liked San Francisco. I liked Portland. I liked Seattle and Vancouver. Um, in between... Oh, it was. I had took small motels. I didn't had so much interaction with people. To be honest, it was just sightseeing on my own, 
and um, motel to motel. Uh, but I, I, I like the US. I like the US a lot when we toured there too. It's uh, it's a very different from Europe, um, but I think it's the same when American people come to Europe. It's like that they it's like different from the US. So yeah, I like it. So I have a question about Belgium. Are waffles a thing over there, or did Americans <laughs> just make that up? No, it's just a touristic thing. Yeah, Americans. Okay. Right? It's like when you when you when you get off the plane in Brussels and you go to Brussels Central Central a uh, center like the center of the city, mm-hmm. uh, you can get your waffles. But it's like it's a touristic thing a little little bit. But we we, we never make we rarely make waffles at home. I'll tell it like that. We, we can do <laughs> yeah, that. waffles are hard to make. You need you got to make the the batter and it's messy and you got to have the maker. It's like a big production. Yeah, we do have a maker, so maybe waffles is a thing. <laughs> we do have a waffle <laughs> maker. I think a lot of families have a waffle maker, but it's yeah, it's it's not. It's more maybe touristic thing. Okay, I just I needed to clear that up for the people. They yeah. need to know. Yeah, I understand. The more the more it's more like a beer thing and a fries thing over here. Like the French yes. fries. French yes. fries are not French. They're Belgian. So let's set that straight for once. <laughs> it's like French <laughs> fries, they have nothing to do with France. They're not French. They're Belgian. The French just stole it. Yeah, because whenever you go to a gastro pub over here now, it's like Belgian frites. And yeah, they'll have that, that cool, like uh, s- that spicy mayo sauce that comes with it. That's really good. Oh yeah, that's the sauce. The sauces are a whole different thing. So you have the fries, yeah. and then you have the snacks, and then you have the sauces. It's like three things. Yeah. So what is coming up for Brutus? Are you going to be playing over here? Can we come see you? What, what's the What's the story, Peter? Um, we're coming for uh, in May, two weeks. Um, I can already tell about the three festivals that are now, like Boston Calling, uh, and. Oh, two others like in um, Daytona Beach and one in between that I don't I forgot the city I'm very sorry oh, you can find on our Instagram and then we're gonna fill in the dates in between um, but it will not be like a full tour like we will not can go to the LA and San Francisco side of things we just will stay on the east side uh, and do shows in between those festivals uh, and then we go back to Europe. It will be two weeks, 14, 14 dates, I think. That's good. Yeah, East Coast is where it's at. I'm East Coast, and right. I rep the East Coast. Yeah, there will be a New York show and a Philly show, I think, for sure. But yeah, it's not announced yet. It will be soon. So they're working on it. And we're, we are working on the the visa application because if you want to come play in Europe, it's very easy. But if we want to come play in the US, it's very hard. We have to pay a lot of money and arrange a lot of stuff and go to the embassy in Brussels to, to get an interview and stuff like that. It's a whole procedure that we have to do to to legally work in the US. Yeah, if there's one thing you can count on, it's us making things difficult and expensive. Yes, it's, it is. It is. But yes okay. unfortunately that's okay it's not your fault you, you can't help it so and uh, it, it is what it is uh, it's 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 useless or at least for me it's useless to uh to think it's just what you have to do and it's part of the of the deal if you want to if you're a band that you want to tour the u.s a european band you know that uh, some stuff comes along and you just have to deal with it and it's what it is exactly well peter I love the band. 
I love Thank the you. new record. I'm looking forward to more. Thank you to you and the band for what you're doing. And thank you to you, Peter, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure and a nice talk. Thank you for your time and uh, for putting the spotlight on Brutus. It's well appreciated. Thank you very much. And there you have it, Peter Molders. You know, in addition to hearing about the history of Brutus and how that came together, which is interesting because it happened later for Peter. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, he was saying they only know there's a limited amount of people to work with in Belgium. They knew all the singers. None of them were working out. So they just have Stephanie try it out to do backup vocals. And it ends up working out. Look what happened. They're on Sergeant House now. They're playing worldwide. More and more people are discovering them like myself. I love it. And when Peter said, you know, he got blown away by seeing Thrice early on, and then they ended up opening for Thrice years later, I love stories like that. That stuff is awesome. But in addition to hearing about the band and just how all of that came together, it was interesting towards the end, talking about the life-work balance with Peter and, you know, how relationships happen when you least expect them sometimes, and just the effort you have to put in for the work-life balance. It was really good stuff. I really love the band. We booked that conversation pretty soon after I heard the band for the first time, and I love that. I love that, that I can hypothetically discover a new band that I love, and then they can be on the show a mere few weeks later. It's a good thing. I also related to Peter because his story is not typical. This is all happening for him later. He's 42 years old now. The band is gaining a lot of steam. And that's sort of my story too. Just in terms of the podcast, you know, there was many years of not doing much or not doing anything at all. And then I got my act together and a lot of things are happening for me now, as opposed to when I was, I don't know, 21 years old. So it was nice to talk to Peter about that whole thing as well. But I'm really happy for him and the band. Check them out if you haven't. It's really good stuff, and it was a really great conversation. So thank you, Peter, for coming on the show. So let's check in, huh? How are we doing? How are we doing? I want to start off by playing a few clips we got mentioned on a few podcasts. The first one I'm going to play is Two Week Notice Podcast, and that's hosted by Dana Bolin. He's been on this show before. He was a guest on our two-year anniversary special. So listen to that if you haven't heard it. Now, in this clip, he's got Jamie Gordon on, who is the drummer of the Constellations. They're doing a Furnace Fest recap, and they're talking about Poison the Well. So here we go. I had not seen them in forever. And um, like Vadim, he was not in the band at the time, and he had come by the tent a couple of times. It was so cool to meet him. And uh, also, a big shout out to um, to Keith from one of my favorite podcasts, The New Scene. I don't know if you listen to that one, but... I listen to that one. You should. He, he's, he does vibe. what I do, but he, like he's... Vibe. It's better. He's great. Before them was Elliot. Yes. Elliot was my number one to see this weekend. There you go. How about that? You know, Jamie was very quick to change the subject after Dana brought up this podcast. I felt he should have let that ride a little longer, you know? Like Jamie could have asked some questions about the podcast and Dana could have talked more about how much he likes it, you know, just just a little bit more, a little bit more. 
No, I'm, I'm, I kid. But listen, Dana, thank you for the kind words. You're awesome. And Dana's show is awesome. Listen to Two Week Notice Podcast if you haven't heard it. Dana was also one of the first podcasters to reach out to me. He just messaged me one day and had kind words to say about the show. And, you know, we were talking and we've talked about podcasting stuff a couple times. And he's, he's just a nice guy. I like that. I like the uh, community aspect of this whole thing, which I'll get into a little bit more after we play this next clip. We got another shout out on Where It Went Podcast. Now, if you haven't heard that podcast, the hosts are going through the entire Revelation Records catalog and they have the bands on to talk about the records. So let's listen to this clip. Um, Because I wanted one more bit of bow and I promise I'm done. Uh, I've been listening to the last couple episodes of End on End. Our friend, you know, we've talked to Brian before. Patreon. Let me end it with one more. There's a podcast called The New Scene that Iodon sponsors, and it's oh, really, right. really good. It's on my weekly rotation for pods I listen to, so I want to shout that one out. Jason sends us, tells us, Jason's the pod god. I do. I send you, I send the chat. Check out this pod messages daily, I'm pretty sure. Is this pod of the year? <laughs> that uh, needs to be yeah, we'll talk about that of a sick desperation. We'll talk about that on the outro. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's I'll kick the episode. Wait, are they talking about us, pod of the year? I mean, I think this is pod of the year every year, but to hear if that's what they're saying, I don't want to be presumptuous, but if that's what they're saying, thank you. But thank you for the kind words, gentlemen. And if you haven't heard where it went, go check them out as well. You know, and uh, talking about the podcast community and all of that, earlier in that episode, the fellas over at Where It Went were just talking about how we need to stick together and supporting each other and all of that type of thing in terms of podcasters. And I agree with that. I'm not in a competition with anybody. I wish everybody the best. And I'm always happy to speak to other podcasters and to hear from them occasionally and to support them. So thank you to Where It Went and Two Week Notice. There you go. All right, so what else is going on? How about some gaming news? Who's still playing Warzone 2? Anybody? Anybody? I almost quit. I almost quit because the I was getting such bad lag and server latency. You know, the lag was so bad, like I'd be in a car and I'd run over somebody and die. And then the camera switches to their view because that's what happens in the game when you get killed. And they shoot me out of the car, and I didn't even see it register on my end. There was a lot of bad lag. There was a, you know, the game kept crashing. So I stopped playing. I stopped playing for weeks for the first time since Warzone came out, and I started playing it. But with the latest patch, they seem to have corrected some of that stuff. Uh, the looting is better. You got three plates on drop. Uh, everybody has the same size backpack now, so people can't stock UAVs and self revives and streaks and all of that stuff. So I'm liking the game a little more. And there's a new Rebirth Island, Ashika Island. I think that's how it's pronounced. I've been playing that a lot. I'm mostly a Rebirth player, honestly, because I'm not very good at the Battle Royale. I don't have a squad that I play with regularly, so I typically play solos. And I'm not that good, you know? Sometimes I'll have a real heater game. I've only won once since Warzone 2 came out in solos. But uh, I mostly prefer the Rebirth maps because they're quick. You get in, you get out, and it's a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying it. Highly recommend Ashika Island. And I do play Solos Battle Royale sometimes still as well. I bought a PlayStation 5 
on my birthday weekend back in January, and I've been so busy, I haven't been able to set it up. I was going to set it up along with my PCs. I've got a whole streaming station for when I stream here on Twitch, but I was setting up the PlayStation, and I didn't know how to connect it to the computer and a monitor, and I bought another capture card, and I don't even know if I need it. And I'm like, how do I display the game to the monitor? How do I run that back to the streaming PC? I couldn't figure it out. And you know what? I just don't have the patience or the time for it right now. So I unplugged everything and brought it out to my living room. I've got it all installed, ready to go. I've got Elden Ring in the PS5, ready to play. So as soon as I have a few spare minutes, I'm going to jump into that. 2022's Game of the Year, Elden Ring. I'm excited to play it. I've never played a Souls game. I've never played a FromSoft game. So I'm really excited and really scared. But otherwise, everything is going great. My day job is going great. It's been busier than ever this year, which I don't love, but that's also good because uh, the busier it is, the more money I'll make. So that's always a good thing. Recovery is going great. You know, there were some shaky years there with some personal stuff going on where I didn't even want to be in recovery anymore, and I kind of hated it, and I kind of hated going to meetings, but that all seems to have blown over, and I feel comfortable again, and I'm super involved again, and I just feel good. I just feel good. So that's good. Uh, In terms of music, I'm still chipping away on this band I've been putting together for a long time. That's in progress. There may be some other musical things going on, which I'll announce when the time comes, but more will be revealed. But listen, I'm feeling good. The show is going great. We've got some unbelievable guests coming up. If I told you who was coming up on the show, In the coming months, you wouldn't even believe it. You would think I was lying if I revealed to you the full schedule right now. That's how good it is. But that's it. I'm feeling good, and I hope you are too. So listen, this week we are going to end the show with Adhesive by Stone Temple Pilots. This is from their third record, Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. It's my favorite record of theirs. And listen, if you don't like Stone Temple Pilots or you have some preconceived notions about them, I'm telling you, give this record a chance. It's their absolute best. And this is my absolute favorite song of theirs. This album always reminds me of springtime, getting out, you know, graduating eighth grade, moving into high school, being very afraid and not sure what's going to come next. And this CD was the soundtrack to all of that. This record holds up and this is their best song. So enjoy it. And that's it for this week. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time. Like reality
Fiscal year. 